Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Drivers, start your engines! Hit the pace car! What for? Because you hit every other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. It's him. He talks to me. He didn't slam you, he didn't bump you, he didn't nudge you, he rubbed you, and rubbing son is racing. Hey race fans, welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network, and welcome to Drafting the Circuits. My name is Frank Santoroski, I'll be your host for the next hour as we go over everything racing, this being our last official show of the 2018 season. Uh, tonight we'll do a two-hour broadcast uh, to uh, recap everything in 2018 and uh, preview 2019. And let me introduce you to the panel I have assembled tonight. With me, as always, Mr. Gray Warren from Richard Childress Racing. From IndyCar.com, Joey Barnes is in the house. Uh, from Eau Rouge Engineering, Richard Uden is with us. And the Mo- NASCAR correspondent at Motorsports Tribune, Mr. Seth Eggert, also with us tonight. How is everybody? Doing great. Very good, thank you. All right, great to talk to you guys. So, uh, you know, 2018 drawing to a close. Um, Christmas decorations are up all around town. People are hustling, bustling, shopping in the mall. Um, You know, snow is on the ground here in my hometown. Uh, But uh, let's, you know, it's time to take a look back on the year. Um, Interesting year we had. We crowned five-time champions in both Formula One and IndyCar. We crowned a first-time champion in NASCAR. Uh, We saw Austin Dillon take the win in Daytona 500, uh, while Will Power took the Indy 500. Um, And Kyle Busch won the Coca-Cola 600 in some of the major races there. We saw IndyCar um, introduce... Um, Robert Wickens is one of the brightest rookies we've seen ever. And then we saw his season cut short by devastating injury. Um, another first this year, we saw Formula One introduce the Halo. We saw the um, IndyCar Universal Body Kit on the track for the first time. Uh, we saw the introduction of Chevrolet's Camaro as a NASCAR uh, chassis. We saw the Charlotte Roval debut as a race in the chase to uh, uh, a very exciting event there. We saw first-time winners in Eric Jones and Chase Elliott. Um, and we saw some lasts here. We saw uh, Kimi Raikkonen end his tenure at Ferrari. We saw Fernando Alonso uh, say goodbye to Formula One. We saw Danica Patrick's uh, farewell tour. They kind of fizzled out. Um, we're going to see the end of the motorsports trinity of uh, Jimmy, Chad, and Lowe's, Lowe's Home Improvement Center uh, will no longer be together. Um, along the way, we also said goodbye to Dan, Dan Gurney, uh, Deanne Andretti, Mary Holman, George, David Pearson, and James Hilton this year. So uh, just a lot 
um, uh, uh, has happened in the world of racing this year. I mean, all that and more, and we'll discuss as much of that as we can get to. But before we start recapping the year, there was one last race um, in Abu Dhabi uh, for the Formula One series there. Um, Lewis Hamilton uh, took the win ahead of Sebastian Vettel. Vettel had a pretty quiet day. Um, you know, we were joking that uh, it looked like Will Smith got more screen time than uh, Vettel. Uh, but but in a way, you know, Hamilton taking the win and uh, Vettel barely, you know, being there but not not able to catch is kind of a microcosm for the whole the way the whole season went down. We had a season that began with unprecedented two four-time champions in the series at the same time both with a good shot at a fifth title to see who would get there first. And, uh, I mean, Lewis answered that early on and often in the season, did he not, Richard? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was uh, – you want to see – looking at – look at, you know, if nobody had watched any race this season and look at the points total now at the end of the season, they would have said it was a dominant – you know, another dominant Mercedes season. But I don't know what you guys think, but it didn't have that feel for long periods of, of the year. There were – there was a stretch in the middle over the summer there where you genuinely didn't know who was going to win the race week in, week out. And there was probably four or five races in a row stretching from probably what around Silverstone through to Monza where the guy in the fastest car didn't necessarily win the race, uh, which was great for the sport. You know, it, it really created some excitement and some unknowns, which you probably haven't seen in Formula One for a long time. Um, you know, at the end of the day there, Mercedes sort of did pull away and, um, you know, claim that the, the, the fifth title for Hamilton and fifth consecutive constructors title. Uh, so you know, it probably went as expected in the grand scheme of things. But it was uh, it was a great season to watch, I think, and it sows sows the seed quite nicely, I think, for uh, 2019. And as you mentioned, with some of those changes, you know, Alonso leaving and Breitling and dropping back to Sauber, and you know, guys like Charles Leclerc coming up and Pierre Gasly going into the Red Bull for a full-time ride next year and Lando Norris joining the grid and uh, George Russell. Um, there's some you know, potential there and it, you know, it's quite exciting. You want to see a revival by Williams and the work that um, yeah, and, and not Sauber have done. Not to mention Robert Kubica back in the sport too. Oh, yeah. fantastic. I mean, yeah, you know, that was, you know, as you say, confirmed. And you look at, you know, the the guy deserves huge amount of credit. I mean, what he's been through and to get to where he's where he is now is, is incredible. It's you know, if you look in the sporting you know realm, you know, 2018 has been you know year of the comeback. You look what Tiger Woods has done in golf and how he's re-energized that sport in many ways. I know you know Kubitz is not quite on the same level, but it, it, what he's achieved is, is remarkable. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how he how he performs in that car. And, and you're talking, this is a, this is a, an underperforming team and they've got a young, a young rookie as their lead driver. Yeah. Um, so, and, and having an experienced guy like Robert in there is only going to help to elevate, um, you know, George Russell's, um, in your know, indoctrination in the Formula sure. One to have have somebody that, uh, that he can lean on with good advice. So, but and at uh, the end of the day, there's, there's, you know, 20 seats in Formula One. You don't, get one of those seats without deserving it. And and, and Frank and Claire are not going to put somebody in their car that does not justify that seat, um, especially somebody who isn't bringing money. Now, there were obviously, you know, Robert 
will bring cash to the team. There's no doubt about that. But he certainly won't be bringing the sort of money that Lance Stroll and uh, Sergei Sorokin bought. Um, the, the terms of the George Russell deal will be interesting. Maybe there's a you know a break on their engine uh, supply for next year, as was with uh, as they achieved when um, Valtteri Bottas went over to Mercedes. Part of that deal compensation for breaking Bottas's contract was a reduced engine supply for at least one season, if not two. So that may be part of the deal as well, to bring money into the team in a way without necessarily directly bringing it. So, uh, yeah, you've got to give the guy credit. Yeah, so down the race itself, we saw Lewis stop very, you know, very early on. Yep. Very early on. Um, and then it was just a matter of time. For, well, he just kind of patiently waited for the race to come back to him. He was a little aggressive on his outlap, and then he just then he just seemed to settle down, settle into a pace. Um, and then Ricardo stopped uh, amazingly late. Uh, you yeah. know, he held, the, he held the lead into the late stages as there was some weather coming in. Uh, even for a, for a time, it started to sprinkle on the on the backstretch. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really feel like the Red Bull was probably just holding out for that it would rain pretty hard because you know when it does rain in that area it, it rains pretty hard um pretty quickly and then it goes away but it would you know if it would have been hard enough for everyone to have to run in to get intermediates that would have put ricardo um right on the same pit strategy with everybody else and given him a shot at the podium for sure perhaps the win oh uh, yeah but 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 uh, but without the rain there there was yeah. very little drama in the race other than it was other than the inc- incident with hulkenberg at the start yeah, the, the the Hulkenberg incident was a little bit uh, clumsy. I think he, uh, you know, was going around. I think it was around the side of Grosjean at turns was it eight and nine there on the back at the end of the back straight, um, and he he genuinely said he just didn't see him when he turned into the apex, which was a little bit I say a little bit clumsy and and messy really. Nothing more than that. I mean, there's been um, far. Uh, far more dramatic uh, rollover incidents in the last few years. I mean, it was. A little bit spectacular, but you know, I don't think it was ever any really real concern for his safety. Thankfully, you know the way these cars are made these days. Um, but on on the race on, on the the Ricciardo situation, it was a shame. Really, they couldn't try and push it for five more laps, maybe, and then send him back out on the hyper soft or hyper mega uber soft, whatever they call it these days. Um, you know, just to see if he could have really gone and put some you know really fast laps in there to try and put a bit of pressure on the guys in front of him because that would have been that would have made it a little bit more exciting and in a way when they pitted him when they pitted him it was just like oh okay well there goes that then um <laughs> you know everybody was building up so it was a shame they didn't uh, didn't throw the you know take a bit of a gamble there and see if they could have uh, you know done something at the end but uh, you know it was for Abu Dhabi it wasn't a bad race um you know, it's not a it's not a Spa or a Monza or a Silverstone, is it? No, no, it wasn't bad at all. As a matter of fact, you know, I, I hadn't had the opportunity to watch an entire Formula One broadcast start to finish this year. I've, I've uh, you know, watched bits and pieces of them through the year, sometimes just caught the highlights. But uh, I had the opportunity. <clears throat> I had the entire day, day free on Sunday, so I was able to watch the whole thing start to finish, including all the, um, all the pre-race and stuff. And I'll tell you what, Richard, I, I was pretty – happy with the um the, the coverage from sky sports you know, I know, I, know I, I know that their initial 
the race with ESPN had some technical difficulties and it, uh, it ran in, you know, they took a lot of, it took a beating on social media, but, uh, uh, from, from what I saw there, I, I thought it was, um, you know, quite excellent coverage there, but you could, yeah, you could tell Liberty's influence in there, you know, because we did, we did have to keep seeing what Will Smith was up to time and time again. So, and ironically, he wouldn't be interviewed at the start of the race. Yes. Yeah. He said, yeah, I don't, I don't know enough about cars. Don't talk to me. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, oh, okay. But no, but, uh, I mean, but we did get to see in the grid walk, Billy Monger there on his, on his artificial legs. We were talking about this um, in the pre-show. He was there uh, to do his FIA test um, to see how quickly he can get out of a car. That's um, that's fitted with a halo. Um, and he passed that test. Amazingly, uh, he got out of the car in three seconds. So, which means he's good to run Formula Three next year, I guess, which is his goal. So, but um, but he looked none the worse for wearing in really good spirits. He was doing the doing the grid walk, helping interview folks, huh? Oh yeah, I mean the the guy's certainly um, you know what an eighteen months it's been for the kid. You know, it's um, you know a roller coaster, I'm sure. But uh, you know, as you say, an, an inspirational guy there, and and hopefully they can uh, you know he'll do well next year and uh, you know continue that trend and you know, inspire other people who've had some pretty, uh, pretty horrific accidents and injuries. Um, so yeah, good luck to him. It'd be good to see how he gets on. You had a chance to watch the, uh, Formula One race. You're a big, you're a big Kimmy guy. He, um, wrapped up his season with Ferrari and, you know, he's was the, one of the first DNFs of the race there, but, um, <clears throat> end of an era for Kimmy there. But, uh, what are your, you know, um, going into Sauber, um, and just looking at, honestly, Saber was really strong at the beginning of, of this particular race here. Um, Leclerc had a great start. So uh, let's talk about what the future holds for Kimi, um, for Sauber, and then for his new teammate. So I'll, uh, do you want me to talk about Kimi? Let's talk about Kimi, shall we? Um, I think Sauber have been the, the, the most impressive team of the, of the season, without a doubt. You look at where they were in, in Australia. Um, to look at where they are now, you know, consistently scoring points. I mean, Charles Leclerc was mixing it with with the Red Bulls and the Ferraris at the start of the race, and he got the the wrong end of the deal, I think, with the um, um, you know that safety car, that virtual safety car, after uh, um, those instances earlier early in the race, and probably pitted, you know, out of sequence there and pushed him to the back. But I think Raikkonen can do wonders with Sauber next year. I think they could be really really strong. Yeah, I, sorry, I had technical difficulties there, Frank. Um, so, yeah, just to kind of back up uh, a little bit of what Richard said, I do think that Sauber's getting a gem with Kimi. Uh, I think a couple of things that come to mind is they're getting Ferrari's most recent race winner. They're also getting the most recent world champion that Ferrari's had. So, uh, you know, that's kind of a nice little uh, feather in the cap, so to speak. But I, I think the biggest thing that I take from this is that when you see the energy that Kimi comes with, you know, you see some of the some of the video and the highlights of, of just him kind of mingling with the people in the in the pit area. You could tell that he wants to be at Sauber, and there seems to be a little bit of a motivation factor that that I, I managed to catch over the last couple of days that maybe wasn't there at Ferrari. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, because there's a I, Richard. You could probably speak to this. I mean, whenever you get around those big 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Spring training is right around the corner. So come for the games and have a ball in Arizona. With world-class resorts, unbeatable dining and nightlife, amazing scenery, and endless outdoor adventure. Make your visit unforgettable. Plan your getaway at myspringtraining.com. environments the the amount of just constant eyeballs that are on you and the amount of pressure is just exorbitant so it's just I, I feel like this is a good situation for both Sauber and uh, for Kimi and yeah. I think that they're going to be primed to give a consistent run at maybe even top fives next year I mean he mm-hmm. he wanted this test and it was mostly as he said he wanted to get on with the program because he needed to find out where the shortcomings were now so they could work on them over the off season. And uh, I think that speaks to just the fact that people think that maybe he doesn't necessarily care so much. I think this is showing everybody that he really wants this challenge, and I think they're going to do wonders together next year. Yep. No, you, without a doubt, I think, I think the novelty of being at Ferrari probably worn a little bit thin on, thin on Kimmy. You know, we all remember what was going, you know, the sort of, atmosphere when he left Ferrari the first time in 2008, 2009, yeah. uh, it, it was, you know, it was just, he, he doesn't care for all the, you know, pomp and ceremony that goes on at Ferrari sometimes. I think he's going to, on a personal level, flourish at Sauber, just being out of the way, doing what he does, not having anybody bothering him, just going out, enjoying himself, you know, not being, not doing all the sponsorship commitments and all that sort of stuff. He's, um, I think he'll thrive. Yeah, Absolutely. And, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. So, and, but, you um, know, can I, can I, well, I was just going to say, y'all were talking about Kubica earlier and, and Williams, and I don't want to like go rehash another 20 minutes on that or anything, but I think, uh, my two cents on it are the fact that I think Williams is going to be 10 million times better with Kubica. Oh, sure. Uh, a lot of reasons being like maybe, they lack the money that you get with Stroll, but I certainly Stroll can't develop a car. If anything, mm. we saw over the last two years, the car was in complete decline, even with the money. So from this, you get Kubica, who's been working on the development side of things the entire year, and you get to throw him in, and everything that they've developed, everything that they've worked on, they get to put to use next year with the guy that they were doing it with all along. And so, and George Russell is an incredible talent, and I yeah. think that. When you put those two things together, a seasoned veteran next to uh, a guy like George Russell, I, I think they're going to thrive. Uh, regardless of, of what you see in terms of numbers, I just think in terms of a direction, them and Patty Lowe, I think everything's moving forward for Williams. And it's really interesting because you could almost look at this next year. This year it was obvious. Williams was the weakest team on the grid by a very wide margin, whereas Sauber had filled that role a few years back. I think when we start to look at this grid next year and the year after, you've really got to wonder who is going to be the the worst team because it's hard to pick out just the absolute crappiest team out of anybody because everybody is so close in the midfield. 
Yeah, the midfield battles are are sometimes more compelling than what's going on at the front of the race. You know, I mean, when you consider, I, I believe it was was it twenty twelve or twenty thirteen was the last time that that uh, a car won the race that wasn't a Ferrari, Red Bull, or Mercedes. That it was, was William. It was um, Maldonado, Kim, wasn't it? No, Kimmy Lotus. won. Kimmy Kimmy won in the Lotus. Yeah, it was 2013. Yeah, so you're talking, yeah, that's, it's, you know what, uh, so six years, right? So. Yeah, and there's been two, in the last two seasons, sorry, in the last two seasons, there's been two podiums by none of, you know, like the, not of the, no cars in the top three teams. Stroll got third in Azerbaijan last year and Perez got third in Azerbaijan this year. Outside of that, it's always been Ferrari, Mercedes or Red Bull on the podium. That's not good for the sport, really. No, it's not good for the sport, but I mean, as we see these these midfield and and backfield teams improve, uh, you know, it's it's we've got to start bridging that gap between the top three and and the you know the, the mid the midfield. But we're right now we're seeing the bridging the gap between the the, the hangers on at the back. Yeah. Um. So uh, you know, it, it's it can only. Uh, you know, somebody's eventually got to break through, you know, whether it be Renault, whether it be Haas, whether it be Force India, Stroll Racing, whatever they call that now. Um, it would be good to see a breakthrough win from somebody there. And I, th- and I even believe that uh, Liberty is dying to see that themselves. So I, mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you right now, I think that the team in the worst shape next year is probably Racing Point Force India. And it's and it's just simply because, and I know I'm hating on the guy right now, but it's simply because you've got a guy behind the wheel and Lance Stroll, yet to be officially confirmed, but regardless, which is kind of funny, you'd figure his dad would confirm him pretty quick. But um, I just look at that as a situation where the lack of development and the lack of tools and resources, they're going to slowly go down the, the pecking order on the grid, whereas teams like Haas are going to continue to improve. I mean... I'm incredibly happy with what I've seen out of Haas in three years, and I think that you're looking at a team based on some of the conversations I've had with a few people and based on kind of the mindset and the business philosophy, I think they could battle for fourth place in constructors next year. Um, yeah, that would be outstanding, yeah. now I think Toro Rosso will struggle next year. You look at their driver lineup, and that's not particularly strong. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. I mean, Albon is not very particularly strong. I know he did great in F2, but you know what? Mick Schumacher is going to wipe the floor with a lot of people next year in F2 since he's gotten confirmed with Prima. Uh, I mean, I by the time the new regulations hit, Mick Schumacher is going to be in Formula One. It'll be interesting to see if he's in a Ferrari right out of the gate or if they put him on a Sauber route. Mercedes. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Schumacher's got ties to Mercedes as well. Yeah, let's not forget that. So, um, but um, so you know, off track. Uh, you know, after the race, we had this interesting promotional event. Um, another another ride swap. You know, we've seen these in the past; they're always fun. But it was Jimmy Johnson and Fernando Alonso um, out there. Now, what circuit were they at, Richard? It, it wasn't Abu Dhabi. Uh, no, it was, it was Bahrain. It was Bahrain. I, I don't know if it was the full. I guess it probably was the full circuit at Bahrain. Looking at the lap times. Right, so we used a, a five-year-old Formula One car, you know, the one from the prior, the prior engine package, uh, something I guess McLaren has in there for, for demonstrations and whatnot. Uh, and then they brought the uh, the Lowe's Chevy. Um, they flew it over there, and, uh, you know, brought all the pit crews, uh, you know, a lot of fanfare. But uh, at the end of the day, um, they said Johnson's times were impressive um, in the F1 car. He was within a couple of tenths of um, Alonso's time, um, but. 
then uh, Alonso gets in the stock car and pretty much blows Jimmy away. He was, Seth, what did you say, three? About three seconds. seconds. Three full seconds faster um, in an unfamiliar car. Now, to Jimmy's credit, this is a very unfamiliar circuit, very, very unfamiliar type of circuit i mean even uh you know the sonoma and Watkins Glen, where um where jimmy's done road racing is not very similar to a formula one circuit so but 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 what are your guys thoughts with this whole um you know i, I know it's all done for fun and all done for press but now we've suddenly we've got mclaren is 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 wondering if maybe they'd like to put alonzo in a couple of nascar road races jimmy johnson is saying maybe he wouldn't mind running an IndyCar uh, street race or two so, I mean, do these sort of things kind of actually lead to this, or is this just idle talk because uh, a reporter asked that question? It's fun. To, everybody wants to come to IndyCar all of a sudden over the last couple of years, huh? Imagine how much NASCAR executives had to cringe whenever they saw Jimmy Johnson wants to run some street course or road course races in IndyCar. You're seven-time champion, ladies and gentlemen. But, well, uh, I mean, I just – I think it's – Look, at the end of the day, they're racers, uh, and uh, us reporters, journalists, uh, what have you, we always are, uh, most of us, I'd like to think, our, our big interest is just seeing the overall health of the sport, and that's all motorsports. And I think that it's kind of cool whenever you get this kind of mixture. This is a similar thing that we saw with, uh, I think it was Montoya, and, and was it Montoya and Gordon? Yes. Yes. Montoya, and, yes. okay. Montoya and, was, and Gordon, and then it was Stewart and Hamilton. Hamilton, yeah. So. Right, and then, you know, the result of the Montoya-Gordon thing was Montoya ended up coming over to NASCAR. Exactly, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, look, I, I don't think Alonzo's going to come over here and run 36 NASCAR races. I mean, oh, but No, but can you imagine him at, uh, at the Xfinity race at Road America? Or, or at Watkins Glen in a cup car? I, I sure can see that. I don't think I could see Xfinity because I think yeah. at the end of the day, I mean, let's be honest. You're looking at Fernando Alonso. Why are you going to put him in an Xfinity car when you could just take him to the big stage right away? I mean, I, I don't uh, – Watkins unless, Glen maybe, but not Sonoma. I uh, mean, honestly. Well, I, uh, I, didn't, I didn't say Sonoma. I said uh, Road America unless, and I said Watkins Glen. Unless they put him in the Xfinity car and the cup car at Watkins Glen just to make it a bigger weekend. Uh, yeah, right. We'll see how that works. I mean, Alonzo gets to kind of pick and choose what he wants to do. And I think that he's certainly earned that right, uh, you know, being one of the all-time legends of Formula One. I think it's cool that we finally run into an era where people are interested. And, you know, we hadn't had that. We certainly haven't had it during the social media age of things. And the fact that suddenly we're seeing some F1 guys cross over to IndyCar and we've seen Montoya go to NASCAR. And, and there's there's a lot of fluidity there. Maybe something could come out of this, but I think the better thing you're looking at is probably WEC and sports car races because that's the happy medium of anything that's open wheel and anything that's complete stock car. And, you know, as we learned yesterday, actually, uh, you know, Alonzo's running with Kamui Kobayashi over at Wayne Taylor Racing. So that little jest of Johnson and Alonzo for the Rolex 24 sports car race in general isn't going to happen at least for another year from the looks of it. Now, has Jimmy ever run the Rolex 24? He has. Yeah. Multiple okay. times. I think he's uh, second, I, I, I didn't he? know, yeah. I mean, he, he's, he's placed in it. He, he finished on the podium at least once. I mean, I think it, it, it speaks quite highly of, you know, and yeah, I don't think it was ever in question, you know, Jimmy Johnson's professionalism, the way he sort of manages himself. You know, he, he didn't just rock up to do this. He went for a whole day in the simulator at McLaren in, in Woking. 
and um, you know he he's put a lot of effort into this. He didn't just turn up and do it, you know, off the cuff sort of thing. And uh, you know, it, Jimmy's that sort of guy anyway. Um, you know, he 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 does you know handle himself with the very you know highest possible uh, level of sort of respect, if you like, about his own ability. He's not going to do something like this for and not put effort in. But um, you know, I, I think it's great to get that. Um, um, you know, exposure for, for both sports in both of the, um, you know, arenas. I mean, I, I think what's funny about this is I'm kind of wondering, kind of somewhat answer your question, Frank. I feel like this might might be a scouting project for Jimmy Johnson, and that's only if this next year is a complete disaster. Maybe we see him kind of pulling Alonzo and flirt around with a bunch of different series in a part-time capacity. Um, yeah, I could see that. I was kind of that's the only way that I could see this playing out as a scouting situation is if Jimmy is absolutely terrible next year, has another winless season and it's just worse without Chad, I could see a situation where maybe he takes a back seat and kind of goes off and does a bunch of different things and to that end Zach Brown does have a United Autosport team that runs all over the place, so I'm sure he was watching this a little closer oh, yeah. than most people. Yeah, I think... it's interesting because the sorry the, the last guy to do this sort of you know NASCAR guy to get into a single seater car of course was Brad Keselowski was it about eighteen months ago? Yeah, he tested and, uh, uh, Simon Pagano's Penske at Road America. Yeah, that was it. apparently that he wasn't too hot from what the reports say. You know, he was he was struggling. So it's interesting that Jimmy was obviously uh, a lot closer to the uh, to the benchmarks than uh, Brad was. I think the Formula One car is a little easier to drive than the the current Indy car, though. Potentially, yeah. Yeah, it has, num- power, it has, that, has power steering, so yeah, yeah. the numbers that came out of it were, uh, yeah. Yeah, but but, yeah. but Keselowski had fun though. He, he said oh, he really yeah. enjoyed it, wanted to try it again. So it's, uh, yeah. but 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 at the end of the day, I think Jimmy at heart is a racer, and, and he wants to race, and, and I think he sees. That, that, you know, maybe his full-time cup days are coming to a close. Uh, he's accomplished everything he can accomplish in cup. Uh, you know what I mean? His, he's he's a, had a Hall of Fame career. Um, and some of his own comments where he was – when he was asked a question about, you know, doing open-wheel races, he says, you know, at, uh, he said he's seen guys come over from open-wheel into NASCAR – um, so they've been competitive. Maybe they haven't won a lot of races, but they've been competitive. And, you know, you can, you know, imagine who he's talking about, you know, uh, Danica, Dario, um, Robbie Gordon, um, Tony Stewart came out of open wheel, uh, you know, all with varying degrees of success. Um, and, and then he said, but very few guys from NASCAR is, have ever gone the other way. You know, not not in years, not since the days when, you know, like the Allisons would go run the Indy 500. Uh, you really haven't seen that the other way. So now, Gray, you've been quiet, so I want to bring you into the conversation here. So, um, I mean, what do you th- feel like long term for Jimmy? Do you think this this I might want to try IndyCar races is just some idle talk, uh, you know, because the getting getting the project together for even on a part time thing is is uh, there's very limited available seats in IndyCar, obviously someone's going to have to fund it, but uh, uh, do you think it's just it's just idle talk from Jimmy, or do you think it's something that, that he really may have an interest in in his post-Cup career? Well, I think he, I think they all have an interest in it, if you'll recall uh, at the end of the... With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, gut check. If your six-pack abs are covered with flab, it's time to cut the fat. Lose weight the easy way with Nutrisystem for men. Now delivering hearty inspirations meals that fill you up without letting you down. We're talking bigger lunches and bigger dinners packed with protein to control hunger for up to five hours. From savory bourbon chicken to mouth-watering meatloaf, they're exactly what a man's body needs to power through the day. You get breakfasts, lunches, dinners, and snacks all fully prepared, totally delicious and delivered free to your door. No salads, no juices, just real food for serious appetites. Order today and get all new fuel shakes for men. They're made with the key ingredient Velocitol that doubles the power of protein to help you maintain muscle mass while losing weight and feeling satisfied. Don't wait any longer. Order now for a simple way to lose weight, build strength, boost energy, and burn fat. Go to Nutrisystem.com protein to lock in your special deal. Offer restrictions apply. See website for details. IndyCar season, uh, the new champion uh, expressed the desire of maybe running some uh, some Xfinity or some Cup races too. So, like like Joey said, these guys are racers, and you know that, and and they, uh, you know, they're students of the sport. They watch other they watch other disciplines. They're not just you know totally focused on what they do. Sure, they they've earned their living you know, in, the, in their chosen discipline. But these guys watch racing all over the world. They 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 uh, respect and admire what what guys and other forms of motorsports do. And you, you can't uh, you can't help but feel that. Yeah. You know, these guys would like to take a crack at it uh, at, at some of the other stuff. You know, they cross over a little bit. I saw today where Wayne Taylor uh, announced his uh, lineup for the 24, uh, 24 hours at Daytona, the Rolex 24, and I believe Alonzo is going to be in one of his cars there. So yeah, these guys look these guys look at other things. Of course, Jimmy's run the Rolex 24. Um, Scott Dixon, you know, he's 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 won it multiple times, and I think these guys do. I, you know, they're they're so focused now. On, on on the discipline that they choose to do, it doesn't leave a lot of room for them to to expand like it did did years and years and years ago. But I think when they look at their uh, current career in their chosen discipline winding down, yeah, I think they look at look at other avenues to uh, to want to explore. And just on that note, uh, we've been talking about it as you know, from the standpoint of a driver, looking at it from the standpoint of a race fan, uh, in recent months, there's actually been a little bit of talk, a little bit of rumor of a possible double header of the Cup Series and the IndyCar Series at Chicagoland Speedway. Well, earlier today, it was announced that the K&N combination race at Gateway Motorsports Park will be a double header with IndyCar on the same exact day. The k Pro Series will run during the day, IndyCar at night. The yeah, well, the truck, yeah, the trucks in IndyCar have run at, 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 at Texas. Texas and, well, and Vegas, actually, yeah. Actually, it was a truck race and an IndyCar race at Kansas where I met my wife. Yeah, okay. So all you those know, years it, ago. The, yeah. the precedent is there to, to do it, you know. Uh, but I think, you know, I think you got to, in this day and time, 
the way to get the, the, the bigger bang uh, for both series is to run, you know, com, you know, uh, <laughs> pair both premier series together. Yep. Which, yeah. like I, I said, there, most... is, there is talk in the industry about doing that. It's yeah. just a matter of getting everybody on the same page. Well, I think right. it's, I think I think they're going to be they're going to be forced to the table really to do what's best for the overall health of the sport because when you see the numbers, the year-end numbers come out for TV ratings, everybody was down. IndyCar was down uh, uh, in ratings. Average viewership was down. Uh, so, so likewise in NASCAR, the ratings and average viewership, average viewership in, in, in NASCAR racing was down uh, from, uh, I think, from 4.1 to 3.3 million. And that's average viewers. Oh, uh, that's, 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 that's a hell of a drop. Although, was, yeah, although uh, the digital viewing, uh, streaming, stuff like that, that was up 49 percent for NASCAR. I think it was up. Uh, similar in IndyCar, like about 45% yeah. or something like that, which that doesn't account for everybody that the TV right. ratings have lost or anything like that, but it's still a significant increase. Yeah, and it, it just goes to show you there's other media uh, coming into play now, but still the, the you know, the big the, the big chair at the, at the table is, is still for, for TV for both series, and that's the one they've got to, you know, they that's the market they've got to, target and they've got to improve on you know that's that's going to help the overall health of the sport really um, certainly and then the other big thing after tv they need to tackle is the just the number of butts in seats at the races i mean absolutely you know so, and then that's together. week in week out and not not just nascar but indycar you know plant uh empty grandstands in in phoenix and and uh, you know and a couple other places that uh that could do better but uh uh you know to your point seth this St. Louis, um, the Gateway, which has done a great job of, of filling the stands. Um, I mean, what um, what a better place to first try this experiment with the two, uh, you know, the yeah. NASCAR race and the and the IndyCar race in the same day. Yeah. Uh, you know, funny earlier I think it's, I earlier think this it's week, fine. there were some friends of mine that were right, and then but earlier this week there were some friends of mine on social media that were bitching that the price of the um because they were ordering their tickets for next year for st louis and they said you know last year this ticket was 55 dollars. this year it's 100 yeah. and they didn't know why but at the time they hadn't announced that it was going to be a double header yet uh you know so maybe uh you know before you piss those folks off maybe we should have announced the um the full headliner before we put the tickets on sale but then again i'm i'm no marketing rep but we've got that that kind of bad taste in the mouth of the ticket holders already who, who may not renew just based on wow why is this so much more this year uh instead of getting that average hey you're going to get two races for the price of one you know mind you it's a K and N race you know you may not recognize a soul there but you'll probably see a pretty good show but um, but but at the other time, the most compelling thing about this whole thing is 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 I see that it's NASCAR reaching out to IndyCar, um, and and not the other way around. It's it's the the the, the new fellow who's charged. I can't think of the guy's name. Is is the one mentioning uh, maybe getting with with IndyCar and doing a double header? So, uh, uh, but either way, it's it's a win. Maybe. It's a win win. No, the what's his the name? The new president of NASCAR. Okay. Uh, yeah, I 
it, it yeah. name just escapes me. Now I look stupid on the air. Yeah, but so. you know, it, it, it's it's <laughs> you know, like like I said, you know, both series are going to have to explore ways if they have to, you know, and they're going to be more or less forced to join together, really, for the for the overall health of of motorsports. Period. You know, if, if they're going to survive going forward, because I tell you, NASCAR is is looking at some at some really challenging times ahead when this new TV contract is negotiated in, in a couple of years, uh, a lot of money is going to go away and it's going to, that's going to have a huge impact in the sport and it's going to change the way the, 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 the sport does business overnight. Yeah. Yeah, Steve Phelps. Steve Phelps. Yes. And on that note about changing the way they do business. Yeah. There's been some talk about, you know NASCAR with the entitlement sponsorship. You know with uh, with Monster is gonna uh, perhaps come to an end. Maybe not, but they're talking about a, a new business model. And you know what, what I can see. You know what I can glean from this. Uh, what I'm hearing is that uh, we're not going to have one presenting sponsor for the series. It'll be you know it'll be just it, it's going to mirror what the teams are doing, where we see a different livery on the cars each week. You know, and uh, there's going to be more official, you know, the official fuel, the official this, the official beer, the official hot dog, uh, you know, uh, and and I believe that uh, we, we may even, uh, you know, with the, the title naming races to each race, see a bigger cut of that go back to NASCAR rather than having one, um, you know, title sponsor for the whole series is going to be a group of different sponsors as, as it the, the well, rotate through portions of the season. And well, that'll... You know what it boils down to is it's an economic reality that exactly and you, you see the yeah. you see the you see the same thing with with the sponsorship that the teams are doing. You know, it wasn't too many years ago that you had a full sponsor for 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 an entire season. Now you have multiple sponsors. You have you sell each individual race basically, and you sell you hope to sell all thirty six races. Uh, to, to allow you to run run the season, you know, uh, fully funded, you know, and NASCAR is having to do the same thing because the sponsors there are just aren't aren't there lining up to fund a full 36 race season. They seeing the same thing that the car owners are seeing, and they're kind of having to look at uh, 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 some unique ways of of pulling it off. Well, and another just a hint of this or essentially another way of doing this uh there's been talk where it would be the regular season is one sponsor and the playoffs is another sponsor there's also talk of something similar to the arca model right now in which they have a short track challenge that's sponsored by sue chief a speedway challenge named after bill france jr that has a sponsor you have the overall uh championship which is sponsored by menards and then you have uh, various other sponsors throughout the year for uh, polls and stuff like that. And that's a unique yeah. way of doing it because you, you break it down and, and essentially, you know, you can uh, you, you put the focus on, on different types of race. And, and NASCAR, like I said, that'd be a great idea for NASCAR, Seth, in that they could do a, you know, they could do a, a, a speedway champion, a short track champion. Hell, they could even do a road course championship. You know what I'm saying? Or, or a road, or you know, a, a, a kind of race within a race kind of thing that you're looking at. Yeah, and that 
that could uh, that could be a way of uh, of helping to uh, uh, get some influx of some much needed uh, capital, you know, into the sport. Yeah, it's so much easier to ask several companies for five million apiece than to ask one company to shell out thirty million for the season, you know, or yeah. more. You know, I mean, gone gone are the days when you can get a cigarette company, you know, and say, hey, Winston. Uh, you know, to take on the whole thing. You know, those days are gone. Um, the, yeah. You know, internet marketing is so much cheaper um, <laughs> for corporations than sports sponsorships. So yeah. uh, they just need to continue to find ways to make the sport attractive sponsors and reach out to as many sponsors as they can for smaller commitments. And, and you know, so. I but, think the um, telling let's thing, move on. One, one, one last thing. I think the telling thing is, you know, for, for, you know, we talked about cigarette sponsorship and that was big. We all know what happened to the cigarette industry. But one, you know, for, for many, many years, and, and I'm talking about in all motorsports, you know, Anheuser-Busch was the bell cow for, for all of They sponsored cars and series and all kinds of stuff throughout every form of motorsports. And, you know, they've essentially gone away. They've gone away. And, you know, they've, they've put their money in other other sports marketing. So I think, you know, that's, to me, that, that's, that's a huge loss uh, for the industry. Because everybody, what does everybody do when they go to race? They sit around drink, and drink beer. Drink beer, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, part of the problem is Anheuser-Busch is no longer owned by Anheuser-Busch. Right, they, true, they've been, true. They've, but they've still, been purchased by InBev, and InBev is the, the uh, you know, right. biggest conglomerate. They, they own 80, you know, 80% of the beer market in the world. And, uh, you know. But and, still, they've got so, a captive and, audience. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they could put. They have so many brands they could put on a race yeah. car, but they, you know, they they have what, Bush Light uh, and Bush NA on on uh, Kevin Harvick's six six race you, deal, right? But you know they they put their they put their eggs in other baskets now because you go to every major league baseball park, every NFL stadium, every minor league baseball park, and 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 the place is plastered with Budweiser and, and, and the like. So they've, they, they've turned their focus away from motorsports. And I think, you know, that's to me, you know, therein lies the problem. You've, we've got to, we've got to return these, these sponsors like that back to the sport. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's pick up on another topic. So, um, you know, we've, uh, finished up formula one We're well, as long as we're talking about NASCAR a little bit. So, uh, Let's, uh, you know, talk about state of the sport. Um, and uh, so, Gray, I'll start with you. Um, Joey Logano finished up, uh, finished up as champion. Um, you yeah, know, it, it, it lends that, uh, lends that, you know, underdog element to the chase. We spoke about it last week uh, mm-hmm. that the, that the um, you know, we've got the, uh, the, the big three and balls, me, the big three and me, the stick of ball thing. So, uh, so Joey, He's done his championship tour, so um, digging in for next year. There's a number of different driver changes for next year, so uh, and something's going on with your team there. So maybe you can uh, quickly fill us in about uh, what 2019 is going to look for at Richard Childress. Well, you, Richard Childress has decided to uh, they're going to kind of reduce uh, their involvement in uh, in the Xfinity series, so that that essentially reduces their over overall and NASCAR and involvement. Uh, right now, they're gonna gonna retract and go back to just four teams, two Cup teams, two Xfinity teams, 
and they're going to move all that operation under one roof. So that's what's going on with uh, with RCR right now. Of course, they previously named Daniel Hemrick to replace uh, Ryan. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Texting privacy policy and terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just one dollar text the word grade to 32 32 32 right now hooked on phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun and everything can be done right from home and in less than 20 minutes a day for more than 30 years hooked on phonics has been the proven learn to read program that kids love to use text grade to 32 32 32 and teach your child to read in just 30 days guaranteed text grade to 32 32 32 right now and get started for just one dollar text grade to 32 32 32 now text grade to 32 32 32 uh, Newman in the 31 Caterpillar car, and Caterpillar, I believe, is going to be back in in that operation for 12 races next year. And of course, they'll they'll announce the rest of that sponsor lineup uh, going forward. Of course, Austin Dillon will be back in the three, and I think the primary sponsor on that for most of the year will be Dow. Uh, Tyler Reddick is coming over from Junior Motorsports to occupy one of the uh, uh, Xfinity cars. And we know for sure of that one right now. We, we There's nothing been confirmed for the second uh, Xfinity car out of the RCR stable right now. So that's still up uh, up in the air. And I imagine uh, some stuff will be forthcoming on that as we hit the banquet circuit and stuff coming up in the next, uh, next 10 days or so. Uh, one interesting thing I saw today is uh, Kurt Busch had hoped to uh, make his announcement on where he's going to go and what he's going to do. And I saw uh, uh, some reports that there were some holdups because some of the partners uh, haven't, uh, uh, he hasn't gotten them in place or hasn't got co- uh, commitments uh, from them yet. Seth may be able to uh, 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 add something to that. But, um, and then of course, we the other driver changes that we already know about, we've talked about uh, uh, previously uh, that are coming up. But, uh, Joey, yeah, Joey, Joey Logano ends up our champion. I think it's pretty good to crown a first-time champion uh, in the sport. I think that's uh, that's exciting and good for the sport uh, to to have someone come. You know, we talked about Har, you know, we talked about Harvick and Bush and Truex pretty much dominating the year uh, for most of the year, and of course Keselowski and 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 Joey got hot toward the the uh, uh, back third or back quarter of the of the season and, and were able to uh you know bring about five wins to uh to Penske and, and a strong finish for that organization and to claim a second uh championship for Penske, team Penske. Um it was uh you know a good season for 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 several things. Chase Elliott comes up and he uh gets his uh 
gets his first win and, and, and caps that off with two more to uh, get three wins. And they were the only three wins for a somewhat down year for, for Hendrick Motorsports. Uh, but still, uh, you know, good year for, for uh, Chase and something to build on for next year. Then the big news out of out of Hendrick was um, was the breakup of uh, Chad Knauss and uh, and Jimmy Johnson parting ways. And also uh, add to that uh, the uh, the loss of Lowe's uh, to that uh, equation. So, uh, yeah, there's going to be some different faces, some crew chief changes over at Hendrick Motorsports and uh, uh, working with different drivers. So we'll see how uh, how they tackle, uh, you know, uh, 2019 with another. Uh, they had, a, you know, they'll have a, some more time with the with the Chevy Camaro that proved to be somewhat difficult for the Chevy teams to get a handle of uh, this year. So we'll see if uh, some improvements can be made there. Uh, major news for the Ford teams that had a great year. They won 19 races in the Manufacturers Championship. They um, um, they are changing from the Fusion, which the model they've had for a number of years now. They're going to the Mustang. So we'll have to see how uh, how that uh, transformation goes goes forward uh, and see if uh, they can hit the ground running and and continue the success they had in uh, in in 2018. Um, uh, other guys somewhat disappointing. Um, Kyle Larson, uh, you know, we we had thought at the beginning of the year that that uh, Kyle Larson would have a big year. Uh, went uh, went winless, and uh, also Denny Hamlin. That was surprising to me that uh, he went winless uh, for for Joe Gibbs. Uh, you know, two of Joe Gibbs' cars got wins. Of course, Kyle Kyle. Bush and Kevin Harvick led the way with eight wins each. And then, of course, Eric Jones was able to get a win at Daytona in July for, for Gibbs. So, um, yeah, uh, and then we had, you know, Ryan Blaney. He picked up a little bit where he left off. He did get a win, at the a, a surprising win, I think, at the Roval. So uh, uh, some of the things we went went kind of true to form that, that we thought, but there was a few, you know, a few of those surprises I just mentioned. Uh I mean, what what stood out for you guys as, as some of the uh, some of the highs and lows of the 2018 Cup season? Well, one thing I just want to throw out there while we're talking about changes for next year before we, you know, um, Martin Truex um, moving over to the Gibbs team. You know, it's uh, the shuttering of uh, the 78 mm-hmm. team is it's you know sad and all of itself. But uh, you talk about over the last couple of years, right, Martin Truex and Kyle Busch uh, have combined to win a, a, quite a few races, you know. But you don't often see uh, two teammates on the same team winning those incredible number of races. You know, you'll see one guy way ahead of the other. Like you see, you know, Kyle Busch winning, you know, six or seven and Denny Hamlin picking up two or three along the way, you know. Um or whatnot, you know, but uh, having these two guys on the same team who are been prolific race winners the last couple of seasons, um, are they going to be stealing wins from one another? Uh, can they keep up this pace, uh, particularly with, uh, you know, the Penske's and the, the, the Harvick and Stuart Haas in the mix there? Um, or, uh, you know, or I just, I just don't know how this relationship with, with Kyle and Martin on the same team is, is, is going to work. I think, you know, I think one of the, 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 the X factor and all that is going to be Cole Pern. I think to me, Cole Pern was probably as, as much sought after 
as Martin Truex. I mean, Richard can 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 talk about that um, uh, in the in the whole equation. So we'll see how uh, how that works. You know, they they're going to have the similar resources, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah, so I guess it could go one way or the other. They can win like you know nearly half the races of the season, or or they can be you know duking it out the two of them at the front week in and week out. You know, so it'd be interesting yeah. to see. You know, with with Martin because Martin has done so well with with a team with with fewer resources, um, to, to, but to see him with all the resources of Joe Gibbs and Toyota behind his back, I, I just I, I just you know with Cole, I just I can imagine that uh, maybe Kyle Busch is a little nervous. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting, isn't it? It's going to be the sort of you know very much so the big fish in a small pond through to a small fish in a big pond. Um, you know, how will that dynamic work? Um, you know, and, and as Gray mentioned, you know, you're also getting the engineering support from, you know, Cole Perry. It wouldn't surprise me if there's not a, a couple of other uh, Furniture Row guys uh, heading that way as well, you know, as part of the package, because they, they do tend to sort of hunt in packs, these guys. So, um, yeah. I, they they kind of all out of work, so. Yeah, and, you know, in all fairness, if, if there's any of those guys wanting to move, because I know a lot of the guys there did leave North Carolina to go over there in the last few years. Um, you know, if there's any guys wanting to move back here, they've got a pretty good resume to <laughs> stick under the nose of some prospective employees. So um, it will be interesting. You've got this, and I hope it doesn't, but you, you do wonder if it's all going to end in tears, you know. Uh, are those two bigger? Are those two guys two bigger personalities to uh, to work together in that situation and uh, to work together? Who knows? Um, I, I've got this. I've got this doubt that it'll work in the long run. I think it'll all, all turn a bit sour pretty quick. Little little, little Prost and Senna. Yeah, uh, not quite that bad, huh? No, not quite as entertaining as that. But uh, <laughs> I just think it's it's going to be an you know I I can see that. You know the first, you know the first team meeting that Joe Gibbs has with the uh, teams next year. You know, Kyle's going to make sure he's the first driver there and he gets the head seat. You know, next to next to the coach and all that sort of stuff. Um, I can see there being a few mind games going on there between the drivers. It'll be fun to watch. That's for sure. That's for sure. Yeah, that's one of the. That's one of you know the things on my radar next watch next year just to mm-hmm. watch how that relationship plays out. So. Uh, but but otherwise, Seth, what um, what were your what were some of your most compelling moments of uh, 2018 on the NASCAR and and you can truck store Xfinity or Cup whatever. Well, I have to start out with the end of the Xfinity race at Daytona, uh, not because of all the crashes, but just because of how close of a finish that was between Tyler Reddick and Elliott Sadler, closest finish in NASCAR history. I mean. I'm not sure it gets more compelling than something like that, uh, depending on the situation anyway. Uh, Another compelling one was uh, the whole debacle of Justin Haley going below the yellow line. Also at Daytona, this was the July race for the Xfinity Series. Uh, The Truck Series race at Eldora, Chase Briscoe hopping down to the Truck Series to have some fun with uh, Ford Performance and Thor Sport Racing. Ended up taking a, a win from his teammate, essentially, as a beat and bang. And Briscoe, by the way, will be running full-time in the Xfinity Series next year with uh, Stuart Haas racing as a teammate to Cole Custer. But that race, it was just one of the most exciting ones all year. Uh, 
the ongoing story of Hattori being an underfunded team and struggling with, at times, the OEM engine and then their late switch to the uh, NT1 engine. It was interesting to see, especially the other truck teams, try to come up with, I don't want to say excuses, but uh, rebuttals towards the story that Hattori had. And it's kind of disappointing to see that even with all their success, Brett Moffat couldn't find a sponsor to stay with Hattori. Uh, they somewhat made it clear at Homestead that he's not going to be back next year, which is disappointing in the end. That being said, uh, some of the lows this year, uh, Joey Logano, uh, funny enough, at at uh, Watkins Glen, uh, his team not understanding the whole damage vehicle policy after running into the back of someone and damaging their car, going to the garage instead of going to their pit stall, knocked them out of the race. Uh, somewhat embarrassing in hindsight, but understandable in the moment they were just trying to think, oh, we had a mechanical issue. Yeah, it's it's one of these rules that maybe, maybe NASCAR and the, and, the, and you know the team should know. Geez, the team should know exactly what's going on. But uh, I think the um, um, you know they need to sort of get that across to the fans a little bit better how all that works and and, and the, the reason behind it. Um, I just actually wanted to you know talk to you guys very very briefly about looking forward to something next year. And you know we've always always mentioned already mentioned you know the trials and uh you know struggles of some of these bigger teams you know next year with furniture row shutting down and and the like um but also you know some of the smaller teams are actually expanding uh you know starcom is is going to be trying to run two full-time cars next year there's talk of rick ware racing going to two full-time cars next year i believe front rowers uh, added a third car, a Baker Racing are going to be doing more races next year. So from a smaller team standpoint, I think it's quite good. And I think we've almost reached like a, uh, you know, a point of critical mass here where actually now is the time for these smaller teams to get into NASCAR. It's a new wave. It's yeah. a new way of running the sport coming. And these are the teams that are saying, hey, look, if we get in here now and we get all of our ducks in a row and run our teams properly and professionally and efficiently – we're going to be around for a long time here while some of the bigger teams flounder and struggle around us. And just to add to that, you have Tommy Baldwin racing returning yes. for a part-time schedule. Uh, Carl Long said he's going to enter two cars in a number of races next year instead of just one car. Uh, so you have some different stories here and there. Uh, Carl Long, uh, they essentially get to spend more money on the Cup Series now, his team, because they're no longer trying to keep their uh, old 2012 Dodges up and running <laughs> in the Xfinity Series. Not really a knock towards them. Have to g- give them credit where credit's due, though, with trying to go and uh, trying to go and keep the car running and save as much money as they could instead of going out and getting an alliance with say, uh, uh, Childress or Hendrick or, with how costly that can be. So Yeah, I think a lot of these smaller teams now aren't doing alliances either. They're just buying parts. Yeah, you know, and I think... For the most part. Yeah. I think Tommy's going to run about 15 races, and I, and I talked with Tommy about, uh, about a month ago, 
when I, and I was asking him what his plans were for 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 uh, 2019. At that time, he didn't know because he still had uh, work with Premium Motorsports. But his his job over at Premium, part of that was he was out uh, acquiring sponsorship for uh, uh, for Premium, and that kind of you know funded his his position and his job there. At the time, he didn't know what was gonna how that was gonna go forward in 2019. But he t Mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun with over eighty casino style games to choose from. You too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to Chumba Casino. Casino.com and give them a world. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary, void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tell me, hey, I've done it before. I've got the equipment sitting here, and I, and and I'll uh, I'll jump in and crank things up and, and start my team back again. So uh, we, you know, Tommy made that announcement this week that he that he plans to do that. So um, yeah, that's uh, and and you're gonna see. Uh, See some other. You got Starcom there. That's a small team that's uh, trying to go. Uh, and I think you probably alluded to uh, Tiff going to a third uh, car over at uh, uh, mm -hmm. Front Row. So uh, some a little some movement, some retraction. I think uh, we'll just uh, have to see how things go. We're not even in December yet, and by my count, as of right now. We could have as many as 43 cars attempting the Daytona 500. Yeah. So we'll see. You know, and we only had 39 attempt the season finale uh, at, at Homestead. So, uh, yeah, the, that's another thing, too. We talk about car counts in every series uh, uh, that we talk about. Um, you know, you, uh, a good sign of a, of, of a good, healthy series is a good, healthy car count, no doubt about it. So. Um, we'll just have to wait and see, you know, who gets funding to, to, to go to Daytona. And speaking of, uh, car counts in the Xfinity series, as you said earlier, we're losing more than likely losing one from Richard Childress racing. Uh, two, maybe two, maybe possibly, yeah, possibly two. We're losing two from Roush more than likely. We might be losing one from junior Motorsports, and we're gaining one from Stuart Haas. So, of all the series, the Xfinity series may actually be taking the hardest hit this off season. Could be, and and, and one more thing to, to 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 add to what you're saying about the uh, that the addition at at Stewart Haas and, and and the subtraction at Roush. Uh, one of those cars that was a Ford sponsored car, and Ford is taking that over to uh, Stewart Haas, and they're going to put Briscoe uh, in in that car. Uh, he's been sort of a Ford development driver. And uh, they're going to reward him and, and put him in that uh, second Stuart Haas uh, Mustang. And Nutra Trumps uh, also signed on to the car for 13 races. Okay. But, yeah, the Xfinity Series has got some work to do. 
that's another series that uh, that struggles uh, uh, with TV ratings and attendance, and uh, uh, that's something NASCAR's got to look at long and hard uh, because the health of the uh, Xfinity series, uh, in my opinion, is is not good. Yeah. So on that on that note, what are the the plans for you know NASCAR had purchased ARCA? Right, which is similar to the K and N that they have there, and so what are the what are the long term plans for for NASCAR's ARCA purchase? Is there a way well, to kind of wrap wrap all that up and maybe they, maybe remove a tier there that, that could maybe help boost Xfinity? Well, they already announced it. Uh, next year, it's going to be the same as this year, starting in twenty twenty. Uh, they're actually going to reduce the number of races for K and N in both series. I believe down to eight total for each. And there's going to be three different champion, well, four different championships, two for the, uh, one for each KN, one for Arca and one combined championship. So that would be a combined Arca K and N championship. Yes. And there will be combination races, uh, as well as the, one championship is for drivers that are of age to compete in K&N and certain ARCA tracks, but not able to compete on, say, Daytona or Pocono for ARCA. So will they be a, a common car, then, that they can run it? It, it will be a common car, and certain tracks you can uh, run either chassis because it's not a overwhelming difference. And the way that was explained to me is a track... Like say uh, Iowa. Mm-hmm. I will say, yeah. Yeah. See how all that works out. So, but yeah, I just wonder if there's a way to, you know, to, to you know, mash all that and funnel more, you know, more ARCA teams to maybe stepping up to Xfinity, you know, because because our, you know, Xfinity is is heavily reliant on, uh, you know, teams that are satellites of Cup teams, yeah, and there there's not so many straight. Xfinity teams, and if you had a ARCA or K&N guys that also had a Xfinity team, it may help boost that series. It, well, it almost it almost seems like to me, just to me, the the outside uh, viewer there that that the, you know the, the truck series is there in the ladder, but it almost doesn't belong. You know what I mean? It's 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 like a, a splinter. Well, ARCA yeah. is often paired up with the truck series right now. Uh, they both raced the same weekend at Gateway. Uh, I believe they both raced the same weekend at... I'm trying to think of the track. I want to say Iowa, but I don't think it's Iowa. I think Michigan, uh, they year. used... The Michigan, yeah. they still do that. that uh, and uh, and same weekend. Yeah. So, yeah. it is more often not paired up with the truck series. Uh, that being said, it's almost... At least until it's changed in a couple of years... ARCA has kind of been something that blends uh, K&N Pro, Truck, and Xfinity together. And the reason why I'm saying that is ARCA's rules are so unique. Uh, take Harrison Burton, for example. He was not of age to run most of the truck races this year because he didn't turn 18 until October 1st. Meanwhile, in ARCA, he was of age to go and run Pocono, and he won at Pocono. The only tracks he was not of age to compete at in the ARCA series was Daytona, Talladega, and Michigan. I just we'll just have to see how it all plays out. But but to Gray's original point, that Xfinity series needs some help to to get some eyeballs back on it. So, but let, let let's turn to another topic here. So now Joey, 
you you've gone to uh, most of the IndyCar races this year. We saw the um, debut of the Universal Aero Kit. Um, we did see a season with uh, no new winners, but um, a very competitive season. Uh, we nearly had new winner in uh, Robert Wickens, but uh, his season was cut a little short. So let's talk about some of the most compelling um, moments of the IndyCar season and, and why we have uh, reason just to be kind of optimistic about the future. Oh, oh my gosh. Um, yeah, where to start, right? Where yeah. to start, yeah. I, uh, I guess the first thing that pops into my mind is, uh, and I, it's funny because I actually we were on Motorsports Tribune. We were working on driver reviews for the season, and, and I actually was doing uh, Will Powers' driver review. So it allowed me a chance to kind of reflect back. And I was just thinking about the fact of how much his legend grew this past year. Uh, winning the Indy 500, uh, one of the few drivers who have won a championship and won, won the Indy 500 both. Uh, I think that it's interesting to see what's going to happen with, with him next year and how everything kind of goes because something I did notice is over the course of, of this past year, he only had only 11 top 10 finishes. There's 17 races in the year, and he gets 11 of them, and he finishes third in the championship. But uh, his championship season, he had 15 top 10s and over 600 laps led. So he's fully capable. Uh, I think my biggest takeaway for the, for him in particular is the fact that he's with a Team Penske group that struggled as a whole for the most part of 2018. And I think that not having Elio there was was interesting with the team dynamic. Um, but returning the same guys, Joseph Newgarden, Simon Pagino, and Power next year, you would like to think that they're going to get a hold of this Universal Aero kit, right? So I, they're certainly that that's certainly something that's going to be interesting to look at moving forward. But, um, you know, I, his legend growing, Power's legend growing was, was incredible to watch. The emotion that he just, you know, the emotion just pouring out of him in victory lane, it was incredible. And I think it's great that something like that, that race pours so much emotion out of everybody, all the teams, all the drivers, being a media guy, you see it day in and day out the whole month of May. And um, I, so that was incredibly cool. Still, the, also, still the biggest still the biggest race in the world. Absolutely. And oh, to, yeah, for sure, yeah. To, to that end, as much as we saw that joy um, – it was also just as demoralizing to see James Hinchcliffe miss the show uh, on bump day just a week prior. And I think that, you know, we, you see the wave of emotions and you see everything that Schmidt Peterson has gone through this year. Uh, just the entire team. I mean, you miss the, the Indy 500, you turn right around and you fight back and you get a guy that's a really a badass hot shoe rookie in, in Robert Wickens who looks like he's on the cusp of becoming a big time uh, just ultra competitive, ultra good on a level of an Alexander Rossi, a Scott Dixon, a willpower kind of talent. And, uh, obviously we see the shunt at, at Pocono that happened, but he continues to show this, this beautiful personality that he has that the fighting spirit while just, just being a casual jokester as he always is just keeping it all in perspective. And he, he continues to show growth and hopefully, uh, if, if he chooses to race again and I, you know, I hope that we get to see him come full circle on on just exactly what kind of potential uh, he would have he, he was starting to show us because I mean, we just saw a glimpse of what he was really going to be able to do. Yeah, um, for sure. And you know, before we get 
too far away from talking about willpower. I, I just want to circle back to that for a moment. Then I want to circle back to Wiccans. But, um, you know, this offseason, willpower has had the chance to go back to Australia. And I don't know if you've seen some of the videos that uh, that, that he's returned to us and that his, his brother Damien has returned to us, where he's been on every talk show in Australia sharing his experience of winning the Indy 500. Uh, but this has... This has raised interest in, um, uh, you know, a resurgence of the Gold Coast Grand Prix that started as a kart race in 91 and uh, ran for a number of years. But now there's serious talks about uh, uh, getting IndyCars back in Australia, largely due to uh, Will Power's victory tour um, back home. So I think that's incredibly exciting. It's it's a, it's a neat little race course. Um, they've had some... Pretty pretty cool races. I remember the um, the inaugural one there was uh, plagued by a little bit of rain, but we saw uh, John Andretti besting uh, Rick Mears, I believe, uh, for John Andretti's uh, one and only IndyCar win. Yeah, I mean, I think that first off, I mean, I don't know how we've gotten so far away from like a surfer's paradise situation over the years because when you look at the kind of talent we have from New Zealand with Scott Dixon and Australia with Will Power. I'm thankful that we're running into a situation finally where that's starting to become a conversation again. And hopefully we get something put together here um, shortly to where we see IndyCar go back to Australia because, I mean, let's be honest, uh, Will Power and Scott Dixon aren't getting any younger. Uh, they're still just as talented, if not more, than anybody else on the grid. And so you, I think that for those fans that are there who have been lifelong fans of both Dixon and Power – it would be a treat if, as a series, as a sanctioning body, that, that we could kind of give that back and put together something with, with I, I don't know necessarily the details of if it's county or, or what have you, or how that whole thing's being driven on the on the government side of things. But if that can be put together, I think it would be a treat for the fans. Um, that said, you know these are the kind of mumblings that we also heard. Um, some of us heard anyway, uh, after Takuma won the Indy 500, uh, last year. So, you know, Japan, he's become the superhero. I mean, I, I would be hard pressed to say that he's probably not the most popular driver, most popular athlete that's in Japan right now, based on some of the people I've talked to who are from that country and, and just the kind of elite level of superstar status he reached. And those rumblings started to, to take place a little bit and, they didn't necessarily come to fruition, so maybe these will, and and I certainly hope that that's the case. Well, you know, too, and in, in, in talking about Australia, you also, and we, and we covered this a little bit on last week's show uh, when we were talking about Team Penske's 33 uh, championships across all forms of motorsports. They picked up a 34th last weekend in the Australian Supercar Series. So, yeah, and when you have a, a, an American brand like Team Penske, winning uh, over in the Australian supercars, you know, that also, uh, um, I would imagine, peaks interest in having American series come over and, and, uh, and run in Australia. Yeah, absolutely. I, I personally would love to see IndyCar, I, this won't ever happen, where maybe they share a Saturday-Sunday show with F1. So if that's not going to happen, I would love to see a situation where Australian supercars could be in the mix to kind of create a doubleheader treat for the fans. Yeah, I but, thought, you know, I thought the Australian supercar show that they had over at uh, Coda uh, several years ago was wild. I thought that was a hell of a race uh, when they brought those guys in. Uh, so, yeah, I think, uh, and, I, you know, I'm surprised, you know, we, we had uh, 
we've had a few guys from that series come over and make a few forays into to American racing. I, uh, you know, I wonder if we'll see any more guys come over and either either try their hand at IndyCar stock. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. A car uh, in the coming years. So what was your Wiccans reference there, Frank? What what did you want to get to on Wiccans before we started going more on my year? Oh, no, no. IndyCar? No, I just wanted to, just wanted to get you back to where you left off. Back to where you oh, left off on okay. Wiccans that he was, uh, um, you know, I mean, you know, I, I'm no medical professional, but I know his road to recovery is, is going to be a long one and it's going to be a hard one. But, uh, you know, to your point, to see him be so optimistic and upbeat about it, um, is, 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 is absolutely heartwarming, you know, cause there, there's a possibility that he may never walk on his own again. Right. But, but at the same time, he's, he, he, you know, he says he's got those, he's got to spark those nerves. So, um, yeah, I, I think the human spirit is an amazing thing. And, and if you look at guys like, um, like Billy Monger, who we talked about earlier today and, um, Alex Zanardi, um, and even Sam Schmidt, the, the human spirit is, is is stronger than anything. So uh, we just wish Robert well. Um, yeah, I mean, we're gonna see, you know, his Marcus Erickson in his car next year. Um, and I, I'm really interested to see how that's going to play out, because I think I think Erickson could be a very entertaining guy to watch. For the first time in his life, he It'd be the most one of the most entertaining guys to watch. Yes, uh, <laughs> I mean, look, it's it's tough to watch F1 races sometimes because no matter how talented you are, you're stuck in a crap car and you're not going to finish any better than tenth, right? Um, right. No, right. I, I I'm interested to see what he can do whenever the the playing field's a little bit more level, uh, and I think he'll do fine. Um, we saw what Ross. We saw what Rossi did. I, I'll tell you right now, you put Rossi in, in any one of those top three top three rides, top six rides, I should say, top three teams, he'll win a damn championship in F1. I mean, that, there's there's certain guys that just, their talent is head and shoulders above and, and kind of feeding into that next subject of, of, you know, looking at the IndyCar season, since we're kind of mentioning Rossi here, uh, I just... We knew when he won the Indy 500 a few years back that that was just something that was super cool, but we were all kind of on pins and needles wondering, is he going to take the ball and run back to Europe, or, or is he going to hang out here and, and make something of it? And he hung out here, and he's made something of it. And we saw him reach, in my opinion, superstar status this past season because he drove with a bulldog mentality, with a new arrow kit that everybody had to learn, and at places that were supposed to be so difficult to pass and couldn't be done, he found a way to do it. I mean, he was passing on the outside at Indy. He was he put together 20-something 20 percent of the, all the passes that happened at the Phoenix race. Um, when he started on pole at Long Beach, uh, he lit it up and left everybody. He did the same thing uh, with fuel mileage at, at Mid-Ohio. 
which was brilliant. And we saw just just his entire makeup of what he was. He looked poised and ready to win the championship. And like many that that were before him, uh, Scott Dixon got in the way. And I, I think that we're only seeing just the the very minuscule amount of what Rossi's going to be delivering for a lot of people for a lot of years. Uh, because he's still, I mean, he's not even 30 yet. I think he's like 27, 28. Uh, I think Newgarden might even be older. Uh, so I, we're going to see a lot of Rossi for the next 10 or 15 years. And I would be shocked if he's not going to be a multi-time champion at that point, maybe even a multi-time Indy 500 winner. Uh, with him and Jeremy Millis, his engineer at the helm, with this Universal Aero kit, they're going to be tough to beat uh, for a long time. Um, so it was great to see his kind of resolve and his kind of makeup and the aggressive attitude that he has. He makes races fun, right? Like you look at Detroit, that race was, you know, street course at Detroit. It's not exactly the easiest place to pass and it's tough to put a complete lap together. And he was over here just dogging it and just, you could tell when he's getting the most set of a car and there are certain situations. I, there's just an added element of excitement, no matter what race it is. St. Pete season opener last year, going for the win, ends up knocking Wickens out in his debut. And um, that created a buzz. And to me, it's fun because he's not afraid to play the villain. If you want to look at him as a villain, he's not afraid to, fl- afraid to play the hero. If you want him to be the hero at the end of the day, he's just who he is and he's out there to get the wins. And you can take it as he's being a villain or that he's being a hero, but those are the kind of things, that's the kind of spirit that IndyCar's needed for a long time. Um, you know, Will Power is exciting as, as anybody, but whenever he, you interview him, sometimes it doesn't come off that way, right? Um, so well, it's good I, to see. You know, I, I would argue Rossi's pretty dry in an interview as well. So His actions are pretty lacking of excitement. They got all the excitement you could want in a a race. I mean, I don't see... Oh, yeah. yeah. You you said when you interview him. Yeah, yeah, well... Yeah, he's pretty pretty spectacular on the track. You know, Power is also spectacular on the track. He's just a little more controlled, so... But that's what, uh, you know, five more years in the series will do for you. Yeah, well, and Penske. Let's not forget how PR people get whenever they get around Penske. Um... But I think the other end of that is kind of moving forward. Scott Dixon, I mean, five championships this year, you know, five-time champion, got the title this year. I mean, when he won Texas midsummer, I mean, it was almost a foregone conclusion that this guy was going to win the title because usually it's around the summer that he heats up and goes on a tear to close in on the championship. The fact that he was, you know, pretty much had everything right in front of him after Texas, I mean – I'm wondering if he's going to uh, shatter the – I mean, we're all one, sitting here wondering if he's going to shatter the records that have been set in, in place by A.J. Foyt. Um, you know, only thing separating him is time and, and if the car's there. And I think that's always kind of the concern. He'll get a good challenge next year with F- Felix Rosenquist at the helm. Uh, Felix is incredible talent. I mean, that, that's stuff we could talk about in a, in a preview for next year. But as far as, like, just what he's meant to the sport of IndyCar – uh, racing in general is incredible. And I I just, the Universal Era kit brought great racing at road and street courses. Uh, um, they're still tweaking the oval package, as we all know. So we'll see if that, that can get to where it's a little bit more in favor of everybody. But I think, 
uh, let's be honest, the manufacturer AeroKid Hero spoiled us with what kind of racing we saw at the Indy 500. It wasn't always that spectacular, but if you were a new fan and you started to see that stuff and you didn't know anything back in 2001 and 96 and 89 and, and all those things, uh, if you didn't know that kind of racing, then, then you weren't necessarily sure what to make maybe this year at the 500. But I mean, as a whole, the racing we've seen from top to bottom was top notch because at the end of the day, it's pure racing. It's not DRS or anything like that. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, so I, I love what we've had this year. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to see guys like Zach Veach. Can they take another step up? You know, Marco Andretti looked like he started to find a little bit of his old rhythm. He, he still doesn't have that podium, uh, which is crazy to think because I mean, he was up until this year, uh, the last guy, or maybe it was last year, the last guy to finish top five in the championship for Andretti Autosport. Um, and that was what, 2013. So, um, I'm interested to see where that goes. Can Hunter Ray keep his form? Hunter Ray finally broke that winless drought, got himself two victories, including that one at Sonoma. And, um, I mean, it's just, there's a lot of questions we have moving forward, but I, this year was so awesome with some of the things that we saw. I mean, the return to Portland was great. The announcement of going back to Laguna Seca next year, um, at the wild race that was Portland, matter of fact, I mean, I think we all remember that pile up in turn one and somehow, some way where Rossi looks like he's walking off with it and closing in on the championship the dust settles and Dixon rides out of a five car pile up to collect good, precious points. And somehow through all this chaos, uh, Takuma Sato wins for Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan racing that had been struggling all year. So, uh, there's so many awesome storylines, so many awesome little things to look forward to for next year. And, you know, where some guys this year struggled, can they rebound next year? You know, guys like Graham Ray Hall, things like that. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's amazing to me um, to see that on IndyCar level. I'm curious to see what also, you know, the season finale in Sonoma. Um, now you got me all hyper worked up talking about all this stuff, but uh, <laughs> Sonoma, yeah, Sonoma, you wouldn't be asleep award, tonight, no? I mean, you know, Frank wanted to make it a two hour show. So, um, but, you know, I look at Sonoma, we had Harding racing, um, which is now hiding Harding Steinbrenner racing. But at the time, we saw Colton Herta, runner-up in the Indy Lights Championship, make his debut, second-generation driver. And then we saw his rival in Indy Lights, teammate in Indy Lights, Patricio Ward, um, step up and have just an electrifying debut at Sonoma. So I, I'm interested to see where we are moving forward because we have so many great young drivers and we've got a plethora of really solid veterans who have set the standard. And I... I think that they're all going to come to a to a head next year, and it should be a lot of fun to watch. I have a question. Yeah, so let's talk about next year. Yeah, go ahead, Gray. No, oh, you know, and you may have touched on a little bit, or you may not have, but you know, one the the only really disappointing thing that I that I saw last year in IndyCar racing to me personally was the uh, quality of the Speedway racing uh, with the new Aero kit. It kind of declined a little bit from what it had been the past couple of years. Uh, Joey, does, does, I mean, I'm sure they people noticed that, but uh, what does the IndyCar, IndyCar as a group say about that? Are they going to try to do some, make some improvements to kind of bring back a little bit of that uh, 
better racing that we saw on, uh, previously on the speedways? Yeah, the uh, so at at Indy they ran kind of a baseline uh, set up with the Universal Aero Kit, and then when we got to the next speedway, which was Pocono, uh, they tried a, a spoiler adjuster. Uh, is the best way I can. I I don't know the actual term of it off the top of my head, but it was kind of an adjuster that you had for the front wing that had some some little uh, you know wicks and flicks and all those things that are fun um, that the manufacturer Aero Kit kind of had, but they they put a little subtle adjustment for the uh, front nose uh, front wing and they tried that out at Pocono um, you know and then there was more testing after the season and from what I heard everything after the season and that test was pretty positive moving forward it's not I, to my knowledge they haven't come to a 100% decision on exactly what package is going to be run but they said it was a step in the right direction you know it, I'm sure if somebody talked to Jay Fry about it, he said that it checked all the boxes because that's his famous uh, saying. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know if we're going to continue with the adjuster that we saw at Pocono. I would like to think that there's something in between that's going to be going to be had there because I think that, one, I look at speedway racing and it's scary as hell um, because at the end of the day, you're looking at a, at a, a drag, you know, a drafting rate. And if you have this situation where you have just this high drag, uh, low downforce, you're looking at a situation where a guy's going to just creep up on somebody and you have a split second to make a move and they have a split second to cut you off. Mm-hmm. And trying to cut somebody off in turn one is at Indianapolis is, is awfully dangerous. We, I mean, we saw what happened at Pocono uh, in, in the tunnel turn and in turn two, and that's you know that was a product of close racing and one guy who wasn't quite experienced another guy who was super experienced who both probably shouldn't have been racing that, that way that early i mean that was the first green flag lap of the race if i remember right or the second green flag lap of the race and so there's got to be something there yeah. uh, uh, you know uh, i thought i just take, thought, yeah. thought the 2015 2016 2017 indy 500s were some of the best they've ever been you know, with the, no, with the racing, the number of lead changes, how the, you know, you, you, the, the field really didn't get strung out. You had guys that could, that could, uh, you know, race their way up from fourth or fifth to the lead and then, then fall back. And, you know, I just thought it was, it, it was tremendous, just great shows. Uh, I mean, that's what happens when you have those Kardashians, right? I mean, the, the, the butt pods that were on there that made it the back end look all boxy, and you created this this huge hole in the air like a UPS truck for these guys to suck up on. I actually personally am more in favor of what we have, um, not to sound like a homer or anything like that since I got introduced with IndyCar.com, but I think that there's something to be said with it's important to make sure that past is difficult because this is supposed to be a situation where the cars can be as even as possible as you can physically make them and it's about the drivers getting the most out of it the tires the line the car the communication with the team and finding every little inch to to pull and it was tough to pass you know what if it's so tough to pass maybe you should qualify better um (laughs) i mean i'm just saying at the at the end of the day i mean I think that this is a situation where you're making drivers work for it. And and as I was said earlier, fans, if you knew nothing before the manufacturer Arcade era, then you were absolutely spoiled with what you saw last year uh, and the year before that and the year before that. I don't 
I don't think that open wheel racing should have Kardashians uh, personally. Otherwise, it looks more like a prototype to me. Um, you know, we're we're running in that realm where you you knock that off and you create debris that can fly and it could you know heaven forbid land in the stands or or we get uh, you know other incidents that that we know about that happened on track in years past. So. I like this element that we have. I like the fact that it's a little tougher. And you know what? It'll get tweaked. I mean, I think everybody should call. If anybody's upset about what we saw this past year, calm down. It's year one. We got a lot of yeah, smart I mean, guys. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not ready to, you know, throw out, throw the throw the baby out with the with the bathwater. But I, you know, when you go back, <laughs> when you go back, uh, when you go back and look at what what we had gotten used to and what we anticipated when we went to Indy over the last, gosh, half a decade or more, you know, these races were ultra competitive. I mean, you know, and, and yeah, all, 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 all the way back, all the way back to the introduction of the DW 12 chassis. Yeah, it, it, I they, remember they, that it, it was either 12 or 13 where I was watching. I think it was 2013. And you, it was some <laughs> every lap was a different leader. Yeah. I, it, it was Kanan and I forget who was fighting with maybe Dario. And, and, you know, and that, in large part, had a lot to do with the resurgence of the Indy 500, in my mind, you know, getting uh, just it just built a crescendo, you know, of, of, of interest in it. And I'm not saying last year was a bad race. I'm just saying that we had gotten kind of used to, uh, you know, here, here's man, here's Indy. We're going to see one whale of a show. And we saw a good show. Don't get me wrong. But. You know, it wasn't. Uh, I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I love a lot of lead changes. I like that's yeah. what gets you up on your seat, your edge of your seat. And and you know, to me, when you, I mean, you 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 buy into all 200 laps. You know what I'm saying? Because yep. there's there's something going on the entire the entire time. Because you know, it, it, when it gets like a NASCAR race to a degree where you've got a guy, he can get out and he can pull a couple of seconds on the field, and he's gonna he's gonna lead. Uh, 10, 15, 20, 20 more laps at a stretch, or maybe even a fuel stint. It's it's still compelling, but it's not like it like it was when these guys are are are, are dicing all the time. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, just because I, I know we Frank's probably going to want us to move on here in a minute. I think the biggest thing that I look at with this is. I, as much as I love lead changes, I want it to be more authentic in some ways, not to say that the previous era wasn't, but I hate the fact that the leader's always a sit and duck in those, in those old packages, right? Um, because you'd get such a pool. Mm-hmm. And to that end, it's kind of like restrictor plate racing. And as we're going to learn next year in NASCAR, um, with the tapered spacer and, and they want to create a show like the all-star race, we're suddenly going to make Ricky Stenhouse Jr. look like Dale Earnhardt Jr. at all the mile and a half. So, you know, I, I think that that's, I don't necessarily yeah. like that dynamic. I, I like, I like the, the element where you see something where it's more in the driver's hands. And I, yeah. and I think when I was a kid, I loved restrictor plate racing and I loved the, the kind of product that brought, you know, groups together. Yeah. As I get older, I've learned that I, I love, well, to, no, that's the, that's I, I love a driver's talent. Yeah, yeah. That's the purest. And we, and we all have that. We've, all of us have been around a long time. We've seen every every form of motorsports and every trick that they've tried to throw at it over the years. And I think now what I guess what I what I'm basically saying is we got to come and, and meet reach that meeting where we can you know we where we got to give the fans what they want you know and and 
you know, that we don't, you and I, we, we speak for a certain, certain element of the fans, but we don't speak for all of them. But yeah, you know, I just, I just was curious to what, what's going on inside IndyCar and if they, uh, if they, how they felt about the, uh, the new package and what they were doing, you know, to develop it going forward. It'll be fun. I know that I I'm, I'm interested to see what they do with the front wing. If, if we're coming back to Indy with an adjuster, like we had a Pocono or any resemblance of that, I personally would like to see a situation where we keep the same product for the most part, but maybe we have a situation where we have more tire degradation. Um, you know, I think the only reason why, not the only reason that would be wrong to say, I think the biggest reason why we had a variance of passing last year or this past year, I should say, is because the, I mean, we had the second hottest Indy 500 in history. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it was out there. It was 90 plus degrees. Track temps were over, well over 100. I think that if we had cool temperatures, I thought we, I think we would have seen a lot less passing. The fact that because the tires have been so durable that Firestone bring, and so I, I would like to see a little bit more, um, a little bit more degradation as a whole to where the drivers could manage it. They could push the first 10 laps if they thought it was a short stint, or if they wanted to play the long game, they. Could backpedal and maybe turn a, a typical 10 year uh, or 10 year yeah, 10 lap life cycle into a 20 lap life cycle the feel becomes like an accordion yeah I got yeah you. so that's something i would like to see to just put it back in the driver's hands but you know we'll see we'll see so speaking of tires right so um you know on the road courses anyway yeah do you think uh indy car and firestone need to look at what Pirelli's doing with Formula One and maybe introduce a third because you got the, the reds, the blacks, you know, which are the harder compounds. So do you think they need to introduce the third variety into the road course racing at all to, to spice up the road course show? Or is this just ridiculous? Uh, to go Kimi on you, I'll just say no. no. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. So, no. So Richard, Richard, yeah. <laughs> let me talk to you instead of Joey. Okay. I had a good answer. I was just trying to be funny, but all right. Oh, uh, okay. No, it's okay. You can go ahead and talk to Richard. I'll, I'll, I'll yeah, rebuttal you know, afterwards. I, no, that's fine. No, I really, I really am interested in this. You know, Formula One has so many different tire compounds, right? And IndyCar's got, you know, they've got the they got red, red, black, and rain tire. You know, so, but, but I mean, would, would this different tires in your spice of the sport and, and gray Seth would, would different compound tires and NASCAR spice up the sport? Now they tried that. What tried that a couple of years well, ago. They went back, yeah. tried. I, I didn't. They did it at the all-star well, okay. race a couple the, of years ago. Yeah, the all-star race, but to be fair, uh, Goodyear it didn't was, have a lot of time to test them a yeah. and B they didn't get a chance to test them at night. Yeah. That being said, I think a softer compound, I don't mean a alternate compound, but one that will actually wear and create mm-hmm. more tire strategy would right. spice up the racing. Yeah. And and yeah, then that would be, you know, that would be each and every week. You know, you, you, if you came up with a with a tire that did that, then you would see, just like Joey and I talked about a few minutes ago, you know, in the IndyCar, you'd see more of an accordion effect in the field. You'd see guys quit. And, you know, we saw... 
at Homestead, a situation similar to that and how guys set their cars up. They were all on the same tires, but some guys were set up for the long run. Some guys were set up for the short run. And just the way the race came, and obviously Joey, Joey Logano's cars were set up for, you know, a short, short 20 to 25 lap run. He, the caution flew his way. He got, you know, got the jump on the last restart and, and with uh, less than 20 to go and, and was able to, to, to win the race. So, yeah, I mean, I think any series there where you can where you can have a tire that degrades, uh, like Joey said, is is gonna is gonna add more elements to the racing strategy and in both setup and 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 and, and that kind of thing. How you how the driver's gonna gonna manage those tires? I mean, I think I think one of the issues that Formula One does have, and I think they're addressing it next year to a certain extent with how the tires are labeled. But do you which which ones are softer? Is it the Ultra soft or the hyper soft? You know, hyper soft. Yeah, no, no. But to ninety percent of the fans, which one is it? Or is it which ones? Which one's softer, ultra or hyper? You know, which one's bigger? The um, pink one. I know, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> I know, um, and I, I think they do need to look at it. I think the idea of the two tire compounds is a good one, but the problem is, and we've talked about this till you know, cows come home on this show, haven't we? Really. You have in Formula One, NASCAR, IndyCar, all the racing series in the world, some of the world's leading engineers and tire simulation modelers and all these guys. And you know what? They work out pretty damn quickly what the best strategy for a tire is. You know, so Formula One race, unless somebody's throwing a Hail Mary there, you, you're going to have all the top 10 starting on the same tire, all the, you know, the rest of the guys starting on the same tire. You'll maybe have one or two guys throwing a you know, a complete random tire allocation on there just to make it interesting. You know, you don't see, you know, Hamilton and Vettel on different tire compounds because they work it out. You know, it's not, it's not rocket science. It's, this is what people have. They have this um, sort of romantic concept that racing is, 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 is all, you know, magic and, you know, all this sort of stuff. But no, it's engineering, it's math, it's science. They work out what the best answer is, and then they execute to it. So it's not going to change massively. You need to create a certain amount of randomness into it. Have, you know, turn around to the guys and say, okay, here's nine sets of tires. We're not going to tell you, you know, you've got three ultra soft and six soft. We're not going to tell you which ones are which, you know, until you put them on. I don't know, you know something. Oh, something to do. That's so, hilarious. You know, what's, yeah. You know, what's, what's curious to me? Well, but one of these tires is flat. You won't find out until yeah. it's on your car. And we've <laughs> seen we see this both in, in we see it in NASCAR and we see it in some of the we see it every week in NASCAR and we see it in some of the short track IndyCar races where uh, you know here we go we're racing along and there's a caution flag inside 12 to 15 laps from the end. You know, and you've, we've seen it at Iowa where the guys come down, some of the guys come down pit road and, and, uh, and, and get uh, four fresh tires. We see it in NASCAR every week. And then, and then they have a, you know, th- then they, of course, there's a control restart in both Indy and, uh, and NASCAR. There's not so much a control restart, you know, in, in, uh, in Formula One. But that would, I'd be curious to see if they had a diff- different restart rules you know, and they did have a have a full course caution at a, at a uh, Formula One race, and the top two or three cars come down pit road and and yeah. and put on I, rubber I, and then have a have a you know race down pit road to get you know for track position at the end. I, I'll just be curious to see how that would 
how that would yeah. do that Formula One deal. And I, and I, I'm with you there. I, I don't necessarily like the idea of having a full course caution because somebody's, you know, dropped a little bit of debris on turn three or something. Oh, yeah, you know, it, it, you know Formula and, One's a different animal. Yeah, I, that's what I'm but saying. I, 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 the one thing that I think um, Formula One needs to introduce, uh, and it varies from circuit to circuit, but they need a restart zone like you have in, in NASCAR. You've yeah, seen at circuits, especially like Azerbaijan, where you have that really, really long drag from turn whatever, it is, 18 or 19, maybe even 20, through to the start finish line. And the rule is that you know the lead car can't pass the... Um, Safety car before it gets back into the So they're, they're basically juggling. You know, all the mechanic, all the engineers are working out when the guy can get released. Well, at some point, you know, especially around Azerbaijan, you know, somebody's going to get hurt there when everybody suddenly bolts and then they suddenly got to check up because the pace car's not going quite as fast as they thought. You know, create a restart zone. And, and then everybody will be bunched up more, too. Yeah, exactly. Everybody will be in the same, same boat then. So that's an area where I think uh, would be greatly beneficial to, to Formula One. Um, yeah. you know, and they have a restart zone that gets the pace car safely safely exactly. out of the way, and they have to run at a controlled speed and yep. as they approach the flag stand, and then and then they yep. and then when the, then when the green comes out, then they hit the gas and go. Yeah, I, yep. I agree. That would add a little bit more of an element too. Yeah, and and then by that time, by that time, if you did have a late race restart in Formula One, everybody's on different tire strategies anyway. Exactly. Yeah. So, I got you. so to to answer Frank's question, that's what I was I was ready for, <laughs> Frank. Um, at the end of the day, yeah, I'm sorry, yeah. Uh, at the end of the day, I look at this situation with IndyCar and with the with the black Firestone Reds and Firestone Blacks, and I'll just say this: our the street and road races were brilliant this past year, and there's only a certain allotted number of tires that teams are given, and they have to just work those out themselves throughout the entire rest of the weekend. And so a lot of a lot of stuff is put on them as far as how they want to manage the weekend, practice, qualify, and so on and so forth. And because the racing, the quality of racing was so good, I don't think we need a third compound. You know, we're not... We're not in the, the the business of Formula One to have 50 different variations. Uh, the most exciting Formula One race that I saw, which is ironically one I was covering this past year, was United States Grand Prix. And that was for a lot of different reasons. We had rain uh, fall in the first two days, so there was a lack of practice, a lack of test time, and, and a lack of opportunity for the cars to sit, be set up properly. And, you know, you run into a situation where suddenly we're seeing Kimi Raikkonen go well past what was expected with crazy hot temperatures uh, that, that for track temp compared to what we saw the previous two days. There was a lot of varied conditions that, for, quite frankly, the teams weren't prepared for. And when you look at that, I think that there's something to be said, maybe not necessarily about tire count and, and you know, how that situation gets managed. But how about we cut back maybe more on practice time so that way they don't have these guys 100 percent pinpoint accurate by the time this race starts let's let's let them work for it a little bit more you know maybe we don't give them three and a half hours four hours of track time because it's i mean when you really look at how much practice time they get you've already run the race three times you know and at this point we should probably minimize that to where i would say i'm good with 
with two practice sessions that are cut in half. So instead of an hour and a half practice session in Formula One, for instance, instead of an hour and a half session, let's run 245s and run qualifying and go get the race. Uh, I kind of would like to see something similar like that across all disciplines of motorsport, uh, not just Formula One. I think that it's not necessarily just about... Oh, I agree. Yeah, we can... Yeah, so you would look at also a situation where... sorry, go ahead. But you look at a situation by by doing that, you save cost of fuel, you save cost of tires, you save you save costs for the overall weekend that helps the teams. Whenever you're looking at how tough the economic times are, that I know that's not very much when you look at the grand scheme of things on car costs and and drivers and crews, but that's a little bit that goes a long way if you're stretching NASCAR. That's 38 weekends, 40 weekends. When you go to Formula One, you know it's. 20, 21 weekends, and when you go to, to IndyCar, you're well past 18 weekends when you look at the entire month of May and how much goes on up there. So uh, a little bit goes a long way, and I don't necessarily care about adding another tire compound. I, I just look maybe that there's other ways that we can make this thing even more competitive, and cutting practice time is one of them. Yeah, but the thing well, is, if you cut that practice time, you've got to compact that schedule for the fan in attendance so they're not either yeah. just you know how many, wandering, uh, wandering around the racetrack how many or, fans, you know fill it how in many fans show up but how many fans do you know that show up at practice well so the fans that do uh, uh, need, yeah. to, need to get their money's worth so so either fill it in with support races or support practice but what my point being joey is you could you could ditch the friday on some of these race weekends yeah and just do it all on saturday sunday yeah, well, I, I, think know, I agree. I think that's what you know is happening in NASCAR. You yeah, see just, more, just compact the whole weekend. These, uh, these, these uh, uh, modified weekends, uh, they they like to call them. They're, you know, you're going to see more and more of that. You know, the track owners don't like it because that's fewer hot dogs and concessions and stuff they sell. But if, you know, thing about it is they don't. Uh, they'll much, learn to uh, make it work because if nobody's going to show up for. For Friday, anyway, it's it's you know they're gonna lose money to begin with. Yeah, I mean they're looking at TV money more than they're looking at hot dogs. But there's there's only two things that I've seen in this world, uh, in racing, that pull Friday. One of them's Carb Day, and the other one is whenever Formula One comes to town, because they go to so many different continents, so many different different countries that they are rarity. And so everybody just wants to get as much as they can because they know it's short-lived. Those are the only two things I've ever seen in racing that that bring people in on a Friday. Beyond that, forget about it. I just wanted to make a a quick point and sort of, I guess, disagree a little bit with you on your your, your point about um, reducing track time creates closer racing. I think what happens is if you reduce track time, the only way you get through your setup work and your car evaluation is through simulation. And that's not cheap. Simulate, you know, running simulation, running these supercomputers, running, um, you know, all these variables is not easy. And I think people probably don't under, understand quite what it's like within some of the, especially Formula Ones on these top teams. So if you take away track time, the teams that will benefit the most from that are the bigger teams because they have the resources with these supercomputers and the engineers that do all of the simulation work. So you're going to actually create a bigger divide. If your aim of reducing track time is to make the racing more competitive, I really don't think it's going to happen. I think in a way it's going to make it worse because you're going to 
play into the hands of these really, really big teams. So you, you almost need to give more track time to allow some of the smaller teams to get real-world data that they wouldn't be able to get from simulation. So by this is just so that way I understand. So in, from what you're saying, simulations are are cheaper than actually being at a track and having the extra like it's cheaper. It's it's more it's more cost efficient to be at a track versus being in a simulator. If you're already there, yes. If okay. you're if you're at the track, and I mean if you turn around to a Formula One team and said, right, you could run from nine a.m. to five p.m. on a Friday. There's, you know, free practices. Have at it, boys. They would pound around that track as getting as many laps as they possibly could, especially the smaller teams, because it's real data. Admittedly, if you're not going to a track, if you're saying, hey, guys, we have to go to the track, you know, and all the expense of getting there to test, then, yeah, that's very, very expensive. But if you are already there, I mean, what's the cost difference for a Formula One team having a three-day weekend compared to a two-day weekend? Yeah. An extra I mean, night in a hotel and for, you know, some of the big teams, 100 people, yeah, it's not insignificant. But when you have, multi, you know, hundreds of millions of pounds budgets every year for some of these big teams, it's that's not their issue. Now, in, in IndyCar and NASCAR, yeah, it maybe is slightly more of an issue to spend longer at the track because the budgets are different. So, but in Formula One especially, I, I, I really can't see... So you don't you don't see a situation where a lack of data would give us more quality races like we had with the U.S. Grand Prix where there was where the lack of data and the varied conditions presented one of the better races of the year? Uh, I think that was a one-off. I think if you okay. created, if you made it the status quo and every race was like, then teams, these teams react very, very quickly to different set of circumstances and they would you know, change the way they work to suit that. And again, the bigger teams are, are more capable to react that way. Um, I, I think it's very, very difficult to, you know, manipulate the racing and make it competitive when the sport is not set up to be competitive. I would, I would say this: if if I were to, if I were one of those guys that could make the decision on the F1 practice time and so on and so forth, which heaven forbid if that ever happened. Um, but I would like to see a scenario where if, if we keep all the practice times the same and we keep everything the same, I want every team to have their, you know, their, their, I don't know another way to say it, test driver, development yeah. driver in FP1 across every and not just select weekends. Why not every weekend? Because you're looking at guys like George Russell that need the time. Guys like, I mean, obviously, Albon at, at Toro Rosso definitely is going to need the time. Um, and I th- obviously, I mean, what's Vettel going to gain from FP1 that he can't get out of two and three? If the team yeah. needs the data and things like that, I would love to see a scenario where we put all the young drivers in for FP1s across every team, top to bottom, throughout the entire grid uh, for 21 race weekends out of the year. That's the only way that I would love to see this situation play out and continue. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. All right, guys. I wouldn't well, disagree. We- Richard wouldn't disagree. That's it. You don't hear that every day. So, but fellas, we are at the end of our show. We're at the end of our year. You may you may actually see us uh, pop up a surprise show or two during our off season. But uh, other than that, we're going to take our winter hiatus, um, like we like to do, and we'll be back 
on Hoosier Radio Network just in time for the Rolex 24. But before we go, we always like to make bold predictions for the next year. Now, we all made bold predictions for 2018 last year, and none of, none of our, our bold predictions came true. So I won't even bother uh, bringing those up again. But let's make an all, let's all make a bold prediction for 2019. Um, and I'll start with you, Seth. Okay, my bold prediction for 2019: uh, none of the championship four will make it to Homestead. Okay, well they'll probably all make it to Homestead. They just might not be in the title fight. So, <laughs> well, that's why, man. <laughs> but that's you, you. You so 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 you're saying Kyle, Martin, Kevin, and Joey will, they will, will not be not in the title be in fight. The four, there'll be four different guys next year. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's, that's pretty bold. That's, that's pretty bold. I, I like that. I like that one, Seth. That's bold. Yep. Gray, one bold prediction for next year. I'm going to say that the big three stay intact for another year. I think uh, all signs right now just point to uh, those guys continuing uh, their dominance uh, in the sport for the time being. I don't see anybody else. I Maybe Penske. Uh, being a little bit sharper uh, starting the season off going into 2019 than, than they did this year. But I still see the big, uh, the big three uh, as the dominant forces uh, in our, in our sport. Okay. So that's not quite as bold as Seth's, but it's actually totally contrary to Seth's. So uh, you guys find it out <laughs> in, in the octagon. So Richard, your bold prediction for 2019. Okay. Bit of a multi multifaceted one here. So Leclerc beats Vettel next year, and then for 2020, Vettel is in a Mercedes alongside Lewis Hamilton. Wow. Okay, so come on, those guys of arch rivals have become like best buddies the last couple yeah, of weeks. Kind of it's a little bit it? off-putting, isn't it? Yeah, it's like really <laughs> something's going on there. So that wouldn't surprise me because Bottas is. You know, hasn't really done much this year, and if Leclerc does beat Vettel, Vettel won't want to stick around as he didn't with Ricciardo was there. And if that seat becomes available, I can see those two, you know, holding hands and driving off into the sunset together. All right, <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> Joey, your one ball uh, prediction for 2019. I don't have one. I have three. I have a triple you know crown. What? Uh, okay. Do I get another one then? Three. No, no, you no, don't no. get another one. Richard. Joey, Joey, you get. Um, all right, first bowl prediction. Joey, the, floor, the floor is yours. All right, so the first bold prediction of my triple crown here is uh, Marco Andretti is going to win the Indy 500 on the 50th anniversary of his Sorry. grandfather's win. Um, the next bold prediction is forget about Alonzo's triple crown. Juan Montoya is going to win the triple crown beforehand by winning Le Mans. So that one's less bold, but still, you know, all the attention's on Alonzo, and it's slightly annoying. Uh, and the final bold prediction is is that Kimi Raikkonen's going to put Sauber on the podium once in 2019. Okay, okay, that's actually not quite as bold as your first two. So, but uh, all right, all right. So, so my bold prediction is that uh, Brad Keselowski wins. McLaren sticks a bunch of money and they're bringing Alonzo over to do the Indy 500. 
and doing it on their own without the help of Andretti with a Chevy engine, and Alonso gets bumped out of the field. (laughs) That's my bold prediction for 2019, and I want to thank you, Gray, Joey, Richard, Seth. I want to thank uh, the Hoobazoo Radio Network. I want to thank all you folks that listen to us on Draft and the Circuits. I want to thank iHeartRadio, Spreaker, and now Audacity that all host our show. Um, we will be back with you after our winter hiatus. Happy holidays, everybody. I hope you get uh, some great time to spend with your families. But uh, uh, we're out. We will be back um, to talk to you. Um, shortly before the Rolex 24, but don't be surprised if we pop up in the middle of the winter with a, a uh, surprise show just on a random topic. But for now, good night. Enter your website. Enter your website. Enter your website. Enter your website.